RC Hilly Nation version 3.0. I am Dan. Hi, Rob. This is episode... Rob. Every time you interrupt me, God kills a kitten. <laughs> I think that was five kittens right there. Oh I'm allergic, though. So we're good. Episode number 24. Guys are all here. You just heard Rob. Hi, Dan. There's Devin. What up? There's Nick. You might be noticing that we are shy one voice tonight. What's his name? No, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm here, guys. I like RC cars. I'm, I'm, I'm RC. my RC cars this week, guys. The wheels RC, on the car yeah. go round and round. Stop judging me, guys. He puts a lime in it, you know? Corona <laughs> comes with a lime. So Scott's dealing with some, uh, some, uh, he's got, he's got a thing going on. Uh, uh, of a medical nature, a rash, from what I understand. I mean, that's how a, it starts. A bad one a in bad the butt one. region. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's oh, got COVID, oh. and he's been dealing with that for quite some time, and um, about a week and a half now. Well, we yeah, about a week and a half, and it's really doing him in. So Scott, we'll get this one for you. Don't worry about it. Relax. Get some rest. And we will send you the bill for missing the last two shows. Don't worry about that. It'll be in the mail shortly. Yes, sir. Yeah. We're not going to dock his pay? No, he has to pay us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. That's for covering. Yeah. For but the extra had... work that we have to do to cover. <laughs> and then, you know, for the imitation, the, the imitating his voice, that's a little surcharge for that. Oh, perfect. Nick, keep so... doing it. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> all righty guys so we're gonna quickly get into this one because it's a crazy busy week for all of us I, I again i'm ashamed i'm ashamed to admit it but i got nothing um no fly no fly yeah. no wrench i've been staring at that um crack in 580 nitro and thinking, I really should work on that, but, ah, uh, fuck, I'm tired, you know? <laughs> I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. I uh, got work going on, got the wife's knee surgery going on. She's doing well, by the way. She's uh, actually starting to to get around pretty good. I, I, I'm a little concerned she's doing a little too much, uh, but she's feeling all right. Occasionally, she acquiesces to the fact that she's overdone it. And, you know, succumbs to the uh, need to lay down and maybe take a pain pill. Yeah, but, finally uh, relax. <laughs> finally get some, some rest. And she's tired of TV and she's tired of the cats. She taught my cat how to play fetch. I don't know. She posted something <laughs> on Facebook. I did yeah, I see that. that. That's crazy, isn't it? I, and it's not just a, uh, 
it's not just like a random thing. It's like you throw that bottle cap and that cat runs, brings it back and drops it right at your hand and waits for you to throw it again and just repeat, rinse and repeat. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's neat. But he's a good cat. Anyway, so no, no helicopter, anything for me. The weather feels, I don't know. It's supposed to get into the 20s this week, but otherwise it's been in the 50s every day. So flying weather is here. Fuck off. Now all I need is the time. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, man. I can relate. (laughs) You're busy too, aren't you? Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Nick, I'm guessing... By me, you didn't get any flying in this week. True statement? True statement. No fly for me. Did you sim at least? Uh, no. But no sim yet either. I've just been working stupid hours. You know, I was in Boston last week. I I flew home for Friday and Saturday and then came back to Boston where I am again. Um, Friday was like 50, 55 in Atlanta. And... I don't know. For the for we'll talk about this a little bit on the episode where we talk about balance, but it was one of those days where I had a million things to do. There's a million things I really should do at home to help the family out because I've been gone a lot and you know, stuff piles up when you're mm-hmm. you know, my wife is there by herself with the two kids and you know, there's a lot to do. And it was just one of those days where I was like, It's beautiful out. I should go charge some batteries and just just go, just go somewhere, go fly. And I looked at my wife and I was like, if you want to stay married, this is a day you're not going to go fly. So I did not. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, I helped with all the things around the house and, and did the right thing. But man, I wanted to go fly. It was literally <laughs> killing me on the inside. Yeah, I don't have that issue. Died that day. <laughs> um, Devin, you won't have to deal with that issue for a number of years. 28 minimum, by the way. Yeah. And you know what, Devin? If we're minimum. 75 yep. and we're even if we're out of the hobby, when that day happens and we hear about it, we're going to call you and laugh. Yep. Yeah. You made yep. the biggest mistake of your life. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Nope. Me either. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> no. Anyway, I, I did get a little bit of wrenching in late, late, late at night. I, uh, you know, the, the Logo 700 has been repaired and kind of ready to remaiden, but I hadn't actually bolted blades on and put a pitch gauge on it and finished the setup and double check, you know. I put new links on it, so I hadn't, you know, I sized them, but I didn't really triple check. So I did all of that. So. I got at least, you know, an hour and a half in the workshop, um, kind of just finishing the setup and remembering uh, how to do all of that. I have done a bunch of like, um, put some shelves in the workshop and some more tool organization. So I got that oh, done. Yeah. So that was yeah. cool. I was about That's to some... say, I bet you organized your tools. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, I wanted to have a set of tools that just lives on the workbench. So I've slowly been acquiring those and organizing them and got some nice little like driver stands off Amazon. So all that stuff is, is close at hand now. Um, it's like another hobby for you. Yeah. I mean, a like little a bit. Diorama. I like things just so it makes me happy. Like literally the other day, like this, the morning I left to go to the airport really early at like 10 minutes before I had to call a lift to the airport. And I just sat at my workbench in my office and just like looked at all the tools and was just like, Oh, this is my happy place. <laughs> And then I went and got in the car and went to work. But uh, I I do have a quick uh, Atlanta RC update. So uh, our field reopened for a day. Um, You know, we were given permission to kind of go fly again. I didn't uh, because I was like, I'm going to let things settle down a little more. And then the very Mm -hmm. next day, uh, 
you know, the governor declared that state of emergency and we got sort of a, and I can say this now because by the time this airs, it'll be safe, but we, we got kind of a heads up. We've got some folks in law enforcement that are kind enough to, to keep the club quietly in the loop as to what's going on. And they said, uh, yeah, don't go fly this week because the National Guard's coming through the woods. So, <laughs> oh, um, oh, man, there's some huge amount of I mean, I think there's a thousand National Guard troops activated. I don't know how many will actually support the operation, but there's another police sweep of the woods that border our field this week with the National Guard's assistance. So, uh, yeah, we're not going flying this week. <laughs> um but they claim it's going to be a huge one and hopefully clear everybody out of there. So, you know, I'm really hoping they did at least clear the gate, you know, all that stuff's out of the way. So, um, so can I ask you a question? And, and yeah. I, you, you may not know the answer to this, but it just, I, I'm just picturing. So I'm guessing that, um, much like typical East coast ish type woods, it's just like super jungly thick and thick underbrush and, and just crazy full. Right. Fairly. Like, yeah. So, but, these people that are hiding in the woods, are they all like camoed out and got the face paint, the war paint on the face? And how, how are they that hard to find, I guess? Well, it's not that they're hard to find. It's that you can kind of hear the police and National Guard coming, you know, when the helicopters start okay, searching so they, the woods. I think right, a lot of them you. leave when that stuff's happening okay. or just, you know, literally you. walk out of the woods in some direction because it goes from, you know, a long way in a lot of directions. So it's not that hard to evade so sort of scatter. the sweep. And then they come back. And apparently okay. they've come back as quite a resurgence. So there's quite a few of them in there now. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. All right. But, so it's uh, going to be but, like a little people bulldozer just sweeping through trying to scoop them all out of there and say, stay yeah. out of here, please. I hope so, man. I just want to go fly. I don't care about what's going on in there. <laughs> I just want to go fly. Uh, and, and what I'm learning is that, man, you, you take these things for granted sometimes, but the fact that, you know, the big field is a 45 minute drive each way. And that one's a lot harder to get to around what's going on in my life. Whereas the field that's 10 minutes away is really easy to f sneak lunch flights into. So I'm going to have to go find a rogue field if I, if Atlanta RC doesn't stabilize soon. Right. Um, but just uh, go buy yourself a hundred acres, man. I wish, man. I, uh, it's funny. I was, I was reading about, um, uh, Chris Nutt on, uh, you know, Facebook talking about, you know, he bought his ideal property and is literally going to host a fun fly in his backyard coming oh, up. Oh man. Nice. Um, and that sounds fantastic. Like he literally has RV hookups. Like he's planned this a long time. Um, so good for you, Chris. I think that's awesome. I love that. That, that, that might be a, you know, a long distance dream of mine. So, uh, good for you for getting there. Dude, that would be great to just walk out on your back deck and have acreage where you could just it big air be. fly. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Be amazing. Yeah. Dude, it's way better than what I got way up here in the freaking freezer of the United States, man. It's been cold as hell this week. How but, is the uh, frozen north? I don't know. It, it's Well, I do know. It's fucking angrily cold, man. It's the type of cold where you get in your car and you're like, God damn it. Arr, it's just too cold, man. But we had a, like, we had a semi-warm day where it was like four degrees and the real feel was like <laughs> negative six or some shit like that. So I took just just to just to say that I could do it. I just went outside and flew the um, the uh, Oxy two outside once, and uh, I didn't even finish the whole pack. I got most of the way through it, but I was like, oh, I gotta stop. <laughs> I, I it just I felt like I was gonna break something. I was just doing little circuits and kind of doing these like fuck you, heli gods. I'm doing a TikTok. I don't care what you say. I don't care if it's that cold. Bang bang bang. Do a TikTok. I'm like, oh wait, am I gonna break this? Is this 
plastic just going to shatter on me because it's so freaking <laughs> cold. So, but, um, so I got one outdoor flight in this week. Um, the rest has just been, um, I, I had some big packs that had been charged from last week and it, then I started seeing the news reports of it getting cold and then snowy and cold again coming up. So I put all the big ones back into storage mode and, um, you know, I'll hover the one in the basement, my, um, oxy too, but I've been doing a shit ton of sim time, you know, when I can just get an hour here and there. Um, I don't know. In the last week, I haven't been really progressing a lot. I don't think like, um, I think what happens is, uh, so, Hey Nick, I found that channel. You were talking about the guy that's been putting up the videos, the sim videos, and yeah. he's been putting up new ones and stuff. So I've been trying to follow that a little bit and just try to watch the sticks and try and learn some of the techniques. And, um, I've got a couple of things like I was, uh, trying to practice, um, oh, what was it? Um, the, uh, pyro TikToks, right. Uh, and I can get it back like halfway. And then when I try to go the other way, no matter what I'm doing, I can't stir my stick the right way. I get frustrated and then I just go back to random stick banging again. But, um, I don't know that I'm at least flying some on the sim, you know, so my, my thumbs are warm. You know, they stay warm. I, I'm just itching for some warmer weather though, up here. Um, these, the big birds are just sitting on the wall. Like, is it spring yet? Is it spring? I'm or I've already got cabin fever, man. I'm just tired of it being so cold. Um, so here's to hoping mother nature is nice to us, not next week, but the week after. Um, but, uh, until then I'll, I'll keep doing my, my thing, man, simming and, and, uh, hovering around in the basement, you know, uh, nothing, nothing to buy really at all yet. I mean, I got, um, I still have my sights set on the OMP M1. I just want one. You know, everybody's like, dude, it's just going to be too hard to fly. And I'm like, I know, but I just want one. Um, so maybe after I do my taxes and those come back and I budget out my vacation money, then I'll balance in some heli money and get that for myself. But I don't have any burning desire to, I don't need any like particular spares to get anything in the air right now. And everything has at least one battery. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So I'm just kind of, Sitting in heli stasis in the wintertime, trying not to hibernate fully, I guess. But uh so <clears throat> Rob, I had I got word today that the temperature back home in Montana was minus sixteen degrees. Is that what you guys are at? Dude, it's very nearly that. I guess I had I looked at the weather earlier this evening and it was um I think negative twelve or something. The the outside feel was negative twelve. I don't know what it is right now. I know Ugh. it's we're supposed to get like three days of polar vortex style, like uber cold, and then it's going to snow. And then that's going to freeze again with another polar vortex. And then at the end of the week, next week, it'll snow. So, yay. Or wait, no, that's this week that this is all happening. So by the time listeners actually get to hear this, I'll be just coming out of that snow after the first polar vortex, just utterly defeated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so please... Please pray for me and nicer weather so I can go fly instead of get frostbite from just touching anything that's outside. Okay, Devin. My turn. Yeah. Your turn. It's yours now. So I did not do any flying at all. Oh, God. No oh. fly. We no suck. Fly. We suck. I did work on a heli, though. Hey, I well, there's that. that. I okay. received some parts for my Oxy Flash. And got those in and am waiting to fly it because I was working on my car again. Is that thing so, ever going to get fixed? My car is sitting in my driveway right now and it, it does the spinny thing under its own spinny thing. 
So, oh, yeah, understood. Doing good. Yep. No. Yeah. More lock. More red Loctite. It does its own. Yeah, it does the spinny spin thing. You know. More duct tape. I don't know, man. What are you trying to tell us? You suck at fixing cars. No, no, it's uh, it's great. It's uh, I have the transmission all in, and it drives now again. So it's oh, done. Nice. It is done. Nice. Yeah. Why didn't you just say it's done? You made it I sound figured, like you broke it. I figured this spinny spin, the spinny spin thing, doing the spinny spin was good enough. I <laughs> don't speak that language. <laughs> I don't know, man. The the round rubber things go round when the engine spins. You went to a public school, didn't you? No, I did not. So the tranny's running is what oh, you're so saying. So you didn't go to school at all. Now it makes sense. <laughs> I went to a tech school, but <laughs> all right. No, so yeah, the, my truck is driving again. So I got that done Saturday and Sunday as well as working on the flash and getting the last few update parts for it and production parts that will be production, I should say. And now I just got to fly it. But I just got news that this upcoming weekend, I probably am not going to go flying. So it's going to, they're talking negative three here. Yeah, it's supposed to get really cold this weekend. Yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, I could try, but yeah, no thank you. Negative three is really cold. It's just, it's bone chilling. Yeah, bro. Yeah, Yeah, bro. Harp's got to put a dam in that atmospheric river, man. Fuck that shit. Dude, it's, Rob, like, I re- yep. like it's really cold where you are, but the humidity that we have here and just the moisture in the air, it, it goes yeah. straight through you. It does. Yeah, yeah. I, I would bet. agree. It's miserable. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was hoping to get it some flying in, but probably won't happen. But hopefully some warmer weather comes in. And there's a couple events coming up in the next couple of months, so it will be happening. What's the first one you're going to? Um, I'm going to try to make it down to Miami. Oh, so I'm, I'm going to try. It's, uh, it's going to be a hitter. I'm probably end up flying down on Friday because I'm, I have spring break that week and I usually drive down for the whole week, but I'm going to try to get a job for that week because I'm currently only working one day a week. So I could use the money. Yeah, make some bacon. Yeah, and then go down to the event. So I'm getting excited. That's in March. I think 17, 18, 19th of March is Amps yep. Heli Smack Fest. Yep. So, Guess where I'll be? I'll be on a cruise to the Bahamas. You, well, we'll be in the same temperature basis. Yeah. Yep. It'll be like, I remember last year when I went, I was complaining like you couldn't believe because I said, and what somebody's right mind in March should it be 95 degrees with 90% humidity? Oh, stop your bitching. Dude, just, it, it was yeah. so hot. Not good. Dude, I no. don't want to hear it. I really want to go to AMPS. I actually have that weekend free in my calendar, which is rare in March. And I was literally like about to pitch it to my wife that I go. And the 17th is my wedding anniversary. And my wife looks at my work calendar and is like, holy crap, you're actually home on our wedding anniversary for the Uh first time in like three years. We get to go out and have dinner. And I was like, uh, sorry, Frank. (laughs) Yeah. Take her to Miami for your anniversary. Oh, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Go into the city, have some drinks. Well, hang on a sec. Has she ever, well, has she gone to like a fun fly with you and watched like how that goes down? 
This is not a gonna... fly. She's popped by the field once or twice, but did you, you say popped that she would... by the field? Oh well, okay. Yeah. So she probably wouldn't want to go do that with you for your anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a be solid a... no, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh... a. <laughs> is that why you got divorced? Did you pitch that idea? <laughs> Maybe. No. Uh, sorry. Rob's I was just like, kidding. I Rob's like, I got one better. Instead of going out for dinner, you should come watch me fly my RC helicopters. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There's one thing I've learned when you're gone half the year, you, you pick your moments to try and be gone for your hobbies. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And March is just not meant to be for me, but there'll be others. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. All right, guys. Short and sweet this time. Do we have any news this week? Hell yeah, yeah we do. Devin, no. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. No. <laughs> A thousand percent no. No. But you don't want this news? Mr. Sandman. <laughs> oh, don't stop. Don't stop on our account. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'll wait. He had the he had the beat going and everything. Wow. That was terrifying. <laughs> terrifyingly awesome alright let's get into some news before these two start singing again alright so we actually you know it started like a slow news week and then it really picked up uh, in the last uh, you know 24 hours or so so we got a bunch of stuff here we're gonna kinda go rip through it Kyle Stacy was seen online posting a video of some testing he's been doing on SAB's new 721 millimeter S-line blades so while previously that line was only available in kind of 700s, they've now released or not released or are about to release a 721 millimeter uh, S-Line. I've really enjoyed the 700 millimeter version of these blades, so I expect great things from the longer version. I'm also a big fan of light disc loading, so these might be a great blade for that. So what Kyle said about them was, quote, these are my absolute favorite set of blades to date. Electric, nitro, gasser. Improvements across the board, end quote. So he's uh, he's obviously a big fan. So you can check out a couple videos of them uh, performing very well on Kyle's Facebook page if you head over there. I mean, I'm pretty sure Kyle can make a pair of yardsticks bolted to a helicopter look good. But uh, <laughs> like I said, I like the 700 millimeter version of these blades. So I'm sure this the, the longer version of these are, are going to be a great blade for sure. Also seen online, this was in the V-Bar Control Facebook group, which I'm pretty sure is run by Makata USA. Uh, with some news from the V-Control motherland of Germany. So there was a post there that mentions that the U.S. should see stock stateside around early March, which is around what we've been reporting and, uh, you know, predicting based on their comments all along. They go on to say that the pre-order supply is apparently 80% reserved. So about 20% of the inventory planned for pre-orders is still available. Uh, They say that the pre-orders will close once that stock has sold. And they estimate this is going to happen in, quote, the coming days. So I imagine that means a week to two weeks, I guess. So if you want to be in the first stateside batch of the V-Control Evo, uh, get your order in, you know, within the next uh, week or so in order to be guaranteed that you'll make it. European orders of the V-Control Evo are already shipping and we're seeing more and more posts from users overseas now, which I saw from Mr. Rob Bingham. 
that he actually received a V-Control Evo FBL uh, today and posted a photo of it. So those are shipping in Europe now as well. So that's certainly good news. Uh, so our European friends with the V-Control Evo and the uh, Evo FBL, let's, uh, let's hear some updates. Let's see some pictures. Let's see what it could do. Let's hear your early thoughts on it uh, comparing to the original uh, Evo, uh, excuse me, the original Neo FBL. Now, going in line with that, I was told that the V-Control Classic will talk with the Evo FBL, but the, seven, I've heard as well. but the 760 option will not be available. That's what I was told. Oh, that's news. I have not heard that before. Okay. You will you will not be able to access like the menu for 760 or however they're doing it. From that's my understanding of it as of right now. That might change. With of course, there's still time, yeah. but that's what I was just told. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of sort of the 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 stuff that's still hanging out there that's not really answered is are those little specifics like what will be available, what won't in these sort of different scenarios of compatibility. So European friends, start posting about it. We want to hear these updates. What works, what doesn't, et cetera. Tell us all the things. In other news, the Urcha organization uh, posted on Facebook today that they are postponing the Urcha West Jamboree due to, quote, a combination of unforeseen circumstances. It's the same reason we gave for why Devin ended up on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) In that same vein, Devin... I guess there's very much similarities. Devin, uh, Devin's incompetence is what led him to this podcast. <laughs> you got to think about that for a second. And we're glad for it. Uh, so Urcha goes on to say that they made the decision in conjunction uh, with the hosting Clovis Club. So no word on what those unforeseen circumstances are, if they have anything to do with everything that's kind of been circling around Urcha in the last year or not. So who knows why? Uh, but they've decided to postpone. Uh, of note is that they did say that the regular Jamboree in Muncie is still on and on schedule. So no uh, no delays or, or issues expected there. So before you go on, Devin, did you did you, do you get that? Do, do you need me to explain that to you? No, I got it. I was okay, just keeping no, my just, mouth just, shut. Just checking. It hurt my feelings. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, buddy. It's all right, little buddy. It may be little. true, but it did hurt a little. <laughs> oh i'm cracking myself up today all right we got some company in the podcast space coming up here Mm -hmm. pro pilots donnie pesci and ben storick announced this week that they're launching both a podcast and a youtube channel called the tiktok show v2 Uh, in a way it's a little bit of a relaunch of the tiktok show so donnie and his late friend crazy dave hosted a show called The TikTok Show. So that's where the V2 comes from. Uh, He's rebooting it uh, with his buddy, Ben Storick. So we expect the podcast uh, first episode to be released monthly. And their YouTube videos are only going to be done when they go to Funflies together. So that stuff will be a little more sporadic for the videos. Uh, So good stuff, guys. Best of luck to you with the show. Their first episode should be dropping on a to-be-determined podcast platform within the next week or two. So Stay tuned to uh, Ben and Donnie's uh, social media channels. There is a Facebook group for the TikTok show V2. And this is the last time we will be nice to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's go time. That's right. Once you start, it's on, boys. Um, No, but seriously, best of luck to you guys. Uh, The more, the merrier. And then in other news, uh, Align announced a 700 size nitro helicopter version of their new TB70 electric. 
It's going to be called the TN70. So I have to guess that the TB70 was tail belt 70 and TN70 is tail nitro 70. I don't know. But anyway, the nitro 70. Uh, no real details released yet. The battery 70. Oh, the battery 70 versus the nitro 70. All right, I'll buy that. Yeah. I'll buy that. No real details released yet beyond that it has a similar look and presumably shares a lot of the same parts as its electric brother. Uh, at this point, all they've released is a single rendered image of the completed heli with a canopy on. It looks exactly like the electric version, just with a pipe sticking out the side. So um, I'm sure they will uh, share more details soon, and we'll be sure and share those as we learn them. No word on release dates or pricing or, or anything else. Do you feel one in your future, Dan? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Don't, don't judge me. A pair of them? I mean, are you allowed know. to own an Align Nitro that's not doesn't have a twin? That's a good question. And the, and then the more important question is, is that is my wife going to let that happen? Mm. Well, I mean, what if we call them the Elaine Power 700s? <laughs> there you go. Team Elaine. Yeah, one of the cool Power 700s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have oh. two glow plugs on that top plate. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they will stock, but I'm sure you can bolt a Nick Maxwell uh, head on your, uh, you're just, you know. You're just being a troll now, Rob. Stop it. Hey, hey now. Uh, definitely a lot of folks excited about that one. You know, there's a lot of Align Nitro fans, so uh, I'm sure they're excited to see that one coming. All right. Also seen online this week, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Mario, and forgive me here, Mario, I'm going to do my best. Uh, Mascaritolo posted photos of his self-designed turbine-powered three-bladed raw helicopter. So it looks like Mario took an SAB Goblin Raw or maybe a KSC three-blade kit and converted it to turbine power himself, huh. uh, making his helicopter officially the most expensive Goblin to crash on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to you, Mario. Uh, seriously, we do hope you post some flight videos in the future. You know, very well done. Looks like a fun engineering project uh, and quite the project to take on. So thanks for posting uh, that. And let's see some flight videos. That'd be kind of neat and loud. For sure, man. Yeah. I mean, turbine-powered helicopters sound amazing. Like, the sound yeah. of one of those scale turbines powering up is awesome. So Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't th I haven't seen any of the, like, turbine-powered 3D stuff in person, like the, the whiplash turbine. Uh, seen lots of pictures, so I'd love to see one up close someday. All right, with that, it's time for the news of the week. Well, and this is kind of less news of the week and more of an Andy Rooney-style rant of the week. So... I'm guessing most of you are going to have to Google who that is, except for maybe Dan and I. But uh, anyway, with the release of the Nick's Maxwell behind the build video have been a variety of Internet trolls surfacing to ask who was the first person to rip the video and share it for free. So I want to talk about that for a minute. So first up, I get that the price of $49.99 isn't for everyone. That's a fair statement, right? There's nothing wrong with saying that, that that video is too expensive for me. But deciding against buying it doesn't mean you should try and steal it. The thing is, a lot of people, myself included, put a lot of work into that video. A lot of manufacturers worked to make sure we had all the equipment we needed to make it, and Nick Maxwell himself put a ton of thought and time into making the video. So I don't for a minute find even joking about ripping it and sharing it for free funny, not even a little bit. And listen, this next bit isn't a sales pitch, but a friend of mine put the video in a context that I think makes a lot of sense, so I wanted to share it. Last week, I spent 50 bucks on a set of tools for my workbench from MIP between the drivers and nut drivers and etc. And I certainly realize that's not cheap. But at no point did I think it wasn't worth it. To me, these tools elevate my building game, and I think of Nick's video similarly as a high-end tool, one that has the potential to help you build a better flying and more maintenance-free helicopter. 
Do you need it to build a helicopter? No. You can go check out the many free build videos on YouTube from a wide variety of folks and manufacturers. But if you want to learn from perhaps the best pilot in America with a long history in the hobby, who's been helped by some of the best builders in the hobby along the way, well, frankly, that ain't free. The video really is a masterclass on the subject. There's just no other term for it. So buy it. Don't buy it. I don't honestly care. Just don't steal it. And with that, that is it for me and the news this week. Amen. I just think that's absolute bullshit. I think that that is such, I don't know, man, that mentality really pisses me off. And and not to this extent, because obviously we didn't have the production that went into this, but in the early days of RCHN, we did, uh, well, Nick and Justin in particular did, and I produced a uh, four-part series called Digging In. And a, a ton of, of work went into that. Not not production work, but just the kind of the background. You know, they put it all together. And it was it's a fantastic series by which you can get now. Uh, because some asshole, uh, you know, we, they were, we were charging for it. Like, I think it was $4, right? Some asshole did exactly that, right? And we weren't looking to make money off of it. We just figured... They put a lot of extra time and effort into these, and they were well thought out and extremely informative. And like I said, if you Google it, if you go to YouTube and search it, digging in with Nick Len, you will find it. And go ahead and listen to it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's fantastic information. But the point is, when people take the time to create this, if you don't agree with the price, move on. Don't try to steal it. Don't try to steal it. That's bullshit and rent. Heck yeah. It just, it's, oh God, it's. It... Yeah. You got to look at it like this, man. If, I mean, if you wouldn't just walk up into Walmart and look at a CD or a movie and be like, I wouldn't pay that much for it. And you would put it in your pocket and walk out of the store. That's the same thing. And when it's online. So you need to check yourself. Yeah. It's disrespectful and it's, uh, yeah. Sucks. And it's not just about like it being a heli thing and we like helis. That's just straight up, you know, ethics. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Yep. All right. I guess that's it for news, Nick and our uh, dad, Rob. Who, who, who are you guys? I didn't take my intercept. Uh, Jeff. Jeff. I'm... Jeff Jeff, and Dick. Do you guys have anything you want to add? Don't I'm Scott. I've got some I painted another car canopy. I've got an airbrush. <laughs> I'll paint your body. I tickle your tail with it. Okay, that's too far. Did I go too far? Is that too far? I think so. Okay. All right. Guys, I got some exciting news. I've got a surprise. I've got a special guest on the show this week. Yeah. I think you're going to like it. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm going to let you wait. Right? But we're going to go ahead and play that interview for you right now. And we'll see you on the other side. I guess we'll hear you on the other side. <laughs> we, don't really, we don't really do video around here. Nah. Uh, we'll, we'll see you then. We'll, we'll hear you then. All right, guys. Here it is. Holy shit, guys, you're never going to guess 
who decided to show up on RCHNV3 this week? Can you guys guess? Take a guess. Who's that? Who's that? Okay, you don't know? I'm going to surprise you. Justin G. Hey, no, oh. <laughs> Justin G. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a blast from the past. Jamie Robertson, guys. Oh, Hi, shit. Another, another blast from the past. More blast. <laughs> How's it going, Jamie? What's up, guys? I think a blast from the past is a nice way of saying it has been. No, no, right? no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, seriously, it's good, to, it's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I think in your case, it's more of a been there, done that, and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yep. I don't know about that. But... How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jamie, we're going to kind of talk to you a little bit about, you know, what you've been doing, um, your break from the hobby and what your plans are coming up. But before we um, get into that, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the hobby, your history in the hobby, where you started, your age, that kind of stuff uh, that you'd like to share with us. So uh, how, how old were you when you started flying helicopters? Yeah, so um, my dad has, has more or less been a lifelong modeler. Um, he started with airplanes in the early 70s when he was, 12 or 13 and then eventually got into helicopters when he got older, um, about the late eighties, I believe. And he was fairly, uh, heavily into the hobby throughout the nineties. He did some, uh, consulting for JR back then. And then he got out of it in the late nineties, uh, and started doing, uh, some other stuff. And then he got back into it about 2005. And that was when I, became interested. I, I started flying in the summer of 2006 when I was 12 and um, <laughs> started on, on one of the original T-Rex 450s. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, he had a, a real flight simulator and I started messing around on it and I think he obviously noticed that I was taking an interest and man, it just kind of blew up quick yeah. and next thing you know, we were head over heels and traveling all around the country and it was a crazy crazy ride 2006 dude i was 16 years out of high school in 2006 i'm <laughs> fucking old man. god damn it. yeah it's crazy to think now that i've i've been involved with the hobby in some form or another for over half my life because i'm 29 now and i was 12 when i started so oh my word yeah huh. that's a lot that that is that is crazy. Give me just uh just kind of talk about this for just a little bit before we move on. But tell me, when you were young and you started flying your four fifty, did you progress rapidly? I mean, did you? I mean, so you know, some guys just have a, a natural ability, and other guys just grind out that ability, right? And they're still mm -hmm. really good pilots. Did you find that you it just? I don't know. Did you just take to it and just did it? feel natural and just progressed rapidly or did you really have to grind that that skill out i would say that uh i progressed pretty rapidly for a couple reasons i think uh, one of them was because i was 12 years old and I, it was the summertime i had nothing else to do i couldn't drive you know there was really not much else to occupy my time so i would just sit there for hours and hours every day on the simulator and then the second reason would be that since my father was obviously not new to the hobby, he knew what he was doing. It allowed me to, as far as mechanically and maintenance wise, you know, I, there was no learning curve there because back then he was, he was obviously doing everything for me. So right. 
you know, I didn't have any difficulties with that. Like I would say majority of people do when they're first getting into the hobby. So I was certainly fast tracked in that sense. And it seemed that the more that I did it, the more addicted I became. Right. I would just, I mean, every single video I could find from back then on kind of the early days of run rider. If oh, yeah. People remember that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just watched everything and I was just fascinated with what these things could do. And I just had a, a yearning to learn everything I could and I was addicted. So how many hours did you spend watching Finless Bob videos? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I know Finless Bob, but I didn't necessarily watch those. It was more just, just flight videos that, that Mark Ryder had done from different oh, okay. flights and I stuff see. like that. Yeah. So you were watching yeah. the, the how-tos, not the uh, how-to build. You were watching the how-to fly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, man, I, when I first got into the hobby, I just consumed those videos. It's like all I did, those Finless yeah. Bob videos and, and others. I, I don't think there's a video he's made that I hadn't watched at some point or another. So, Jamie, you must have had other hobbies as a kid. Like, how were you doing other things, or were you just sort of all helicopters all the time, even at that young an age? When I was growing up, I guess when I first started to get into flying, I mean, I played I played football at school, you know, for the school team. But other than that, I didn't really have any hobbies outside of flying because that was that was basically all I did in my free time. As I've gotten older, I started playing golf. You know, and as I started to get into my late teens, early twenties. You know, I was fortunate enough to where the hobby became a, uh, you know, more of a full-time job. I was getting paid to do right, it right, right. and I was very lucky for that. So in my free time, I started playing golf, which I still love. Last couple of years, I've gotten into cigar smoking with my dad, who's now retired. <laughs> so that's kind of what we do together now. So, Jamie, I just kind of want to back things up just a little bit for listeners mm -hmm. like myself that only came into the hobby right around the time you were, you were probably taking your break. Right. Well, for those that don't know, <clears throat> Jamie won everything. Um, he's a past winner of XFC uh, in 2009, 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015. You've won Global 3D. You've won 3D Masters. Uh, zone knockout for multiple years. You know, maybe one mm -hmm. of the most winningest, uh, you know, American helicopter uh, pilots. You know, certainly right up there with Curtis Youngblood, if not more. But which one of you has won more, you or Curtis? I, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> um, unfortunately this is, this is actually kind of a, something that I've always wished we had more of in the hobby. I wish that the history was better documented. You know, if you weren't around, it's so hard to know kind of what happened in the early days of the hobby. And even throughout the nineties before the uh, advent of the internet, you know, mm -hmm. um, I wish we had some sort of, I don't know, eh, like a hall of fame or something where stuff was documented better so that new people getting into the hobby could sort of learn about the history. Cause I know personally, um, you know, we were talking about when I first got into the hobby, I was fascinated with that. I mean, I, I could tell you almost every fact from who did what and when, and I don't know. I just, I think people would be interested in that if we had a, if we had it documented somehow, but I don't know, that's above my pay grade, I guess. <laughs> that would be cool though. For sure. Yeah, that would be cool. And I, and I think to some extent podcasts have filled a little bit of that by, you know, trying to yeah. bring awareness to a lot of these pilots and their accomplishments. But but yeah, I think more needs to be done there as well. So just to, to back things up a little bit. So you're, you know, winning all these competitions, just absolutely kicking butt, you know, a sponsored paid pilot, one of the few that can make a living from the hobby. 
you know, what caused mm-hmm. you to sort of take a break from the hobby while you were at the top of it? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I was everything that I did, I was consumed by just trying to get better and stay at the top of my game. And when you do that for 10 plus years, like I did, it just, it started to wear on me a little bit. You know, I think anybody who does anything at a high level for a long period of time, you start to get burned out. And I certainly had that, you know, there was some other factors as well. Some, some life stuff and the fact that the competition scene around the world started to dwindle a little bit. XFC went away. 2016 was the last year for XFC and as well as the zone knockout competition that I love to go to every year in England. And really from 2008 to 2009, like that was really what drove my interest was my schedule and preparation and everything revolved around getting ready for three or four contests in the year. And so when, when the hobby started to shift away from that a little bit, um, it just kind of my interest, I lost a little bit of interest. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm back now and, and I'm looking forward to getting back into it more as a hobby, right? Cause I'm obviously not, you know, doing it for a living anymore. So the fact that I'll be able to go to fun flies and, you know, relax a little bit more and not have to worry about it from a, a job perspective, I think is going to be really nice. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Different perspective. Yeah. For sure. And you know, you get older and with maturity, you know, you start to see things differently and, yeah, I think keeping it a hobby will be a, a good thing for me. So yeah, that's awesome. What uh, what what was kind of the driving factor in deciding to come back after taking a break? You, what, did you miss it while you were taking a break? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's it's kind of a funny story. Even though I I got out, I think it was yeah, kind of the beginning of 2019 is kind of when I phased out. So it had been about three and a half years when I came to Urcha last year, but I had always kind of from the shadows kept my, you know, uh, finger on kind of what was going on a little bit and talk to people who were still in it. I would get bits and pieces from them. And, uh, actually the, one of the deciding points, I remember it was right in the middle of the COVID lockdown, like in the summer of 2020, we were a couple months into lockdown and I was sitting outside one night smoking a cigar and I forget exactly what I was doing, but I stumbled across. I think they had decided that the 2021 world championships were going to be canceled. I believe those were supposed to be in Romania. And then I, I read that the 2023 worlds were going to be in the United States, which I did not know. And I'll never forget sitting there reading that and thinking, man, it would be a shame if I didn't at least attempt to do that. The world's haven't been in the United States since 2009. And, you know, back then it was only F3C. There was no F3N, which for those, I'm sure everybody listening to this probably knows the difference, but F3N is like the, the 3D portion of it. So it had always been 
something I've thought about, man, it would be cool to do the worlds here on our home turf, so to speak. So when I saw that, it was always in the back of my mind. That was like a year before, before the team trials, which were, which was uh, last summer at Urchin. So yeah, that's kind of what, that, that is the main thing that, that brought me back. I was like, man, I would love to, I don't know that I can still compete with the top guys in the world, but damn, it'd be fun to try. So yeah, let's try it. Give it a yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So that's when it bit yeah. you, huh? Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So from there, it's just been uh, kind of trying to blow the dust off and get into doing some practice. Uh, I, uh, I, I know uh, you talked about Urcha last year and competing for the team and uh, Nats and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I heard a, a rumor. The rumor mill says that you borrowed a Logo 700 <laughs> at the last minute to compete in Nats. Uh, and that's how you went on to make the U.S. team. Is that true? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> nice. You know, I, I obviously knew that the, I knew when the team trials were like in a year in advance. They're right. always at the Nats the year before the world. And, you know, it was something that was, I was constantly going through my mind. Like, should I do it? Should I not? I hadn't flown at this point in, what was it? I guess three and a half years or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was like the registration was closing on like a Friday afternoon. And I think the contest started on Monday and it was, it was the Thursday before registration closed. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't have any mocks. So I gotta, <laughs> like, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I got to figure out like, how do I even possibly physically do it? You're right. So, You're um, winging it at this point, huh? <laughs> yeah. So my first thought was, let me reach out to Doug Darby. I'm sure you guys know Doug, mm-hmm. well-known, yeah. respected guy in the industry. And he's, he's been a, a great friend of mine and has helped me with a lot of things over the years. Um, so I reached out to him. I said, Hey Doug, listen, this is crazy, but hear me out. <laughs> and I think he agreed. He, I, I could sense it in his voice. He was like, yeah, you're insane. Um, he, he said that he, at the time, he didn't have any electrics. Uh, all he had was a gasser. And I was like, well, obviously that's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, let me, let me, let me do some more digging and, and I'll get back to you. It, mind you, this is like the night before I need to register. So I said, hold that thought. Let me uh, reach out to some other guys and see what I can do. So I texted a buddy of mine that actually lives locally. Um, Michael Lebzig, you guys might know him. Yeah. yeah. And he was actually like one of the very first people I ever met in the hobby when I was 12 years old at the first fun fly I went to. Um, and I texted him. I said, Hey, you going to Urchin? He said, yeah. I said, when are you going? He's like, well, not till, you know, this is like next Wednesday or whatever. I said, well, here's my situation. And I totally understand if you're not comfortable with it. I know it's crazy, whatever, but, and he was awesome. He said, no problem. Models are ready. Come get them. Do whatever you have to do. Don't worry. And I'll get them back to you when I get an urgent. So I was like, well, I got models. So is this about to happen? Yeah. Yeah. So huh. sure enough, I said, all right. I said, all right, I'll come get them from you tomorrow afternoon. So next morning I wake up and I had to um, renew my AMA membership. And then I did the whole registration process for the Nats. And then I went and got his models and drove to Muncie, booked a hotel on the way. And it was actually Saturday when I left. And then 
So come Sunday morning, mind you, I hadn't touched a radio in almost four years at this point. Wow. Come Sunday morning, I'm, I'm, I'm at the Urchis site and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm nervous. Cause this is, you know, I'm like literally doing like beginner stuff. So I'm like, okay, turn on the radio first, then we're going to plug in the model. <laughs> and uh, oh, Dan with the battery. <laughs> yeah. So I, I took his logo 700 with V control and pulled it up. And I was like, you know, baby steps here. I was like, all right, let's see if we can still fly this thing around. And sure enough, I could. And then, you know, about three or four flights in, I was like, okay, I think I can actually do this. Um, that's cool. So that's how it happens, yeah. Dude, that's wild, man. Nope. Flying by the seat of your pants, brother. And you still got the skills to so, pay the bills. It's been like three years, right? Three, four years. Dude, well, that's, that's pretty well, cool, man. Yeah. Not nearly what I what I was, but, you know, I'm looking forward to, that's another thing that I'm looking forward to is the the challenge of trying to get that back, you know, the flying skill. Yeah, I really, I don't know if I can do it. So it's going to be fun to, to see. Hey, so, it's going to be fun to watch you for sure. You know, absolutely. It, it begs the question, Jamie, how, how do you end up with no models? Yeah. What the hell happened there? How, I, how do I end up with no models? Yeah. How, how do you find yourself <laughs> in a situation? I mean, I left the hobby for five years and I still had a couple. Yeah. So um, at the time I was flying Gowie and I had a couple X7s. And I, there was a local guy in Kansas City who was a, also a Gowie rep, and he uh, drove down during COVID and picked up the models from me. Which, in hindsight, I wish I'd never done. But <laughs> yeah. at the time, at the time, I really didn't think I would get back into it. But okay. I guess that was probably naive of me to think. But uh, it's—I was telling somebody the other day, man. It's, once you're into this thing, man, it's in your blood, you know. Right. Yeah. Yep. It might go dormant might go for a little while. Through. Yep. It's coming yeah. back. Exactly. That's amazing, man. So how many practice flights did you get in before you were like, you know, getting judged? Um, I practiced all day Sunday, so I don't know, maybe 20 or so. Wow. So three years off, 24 flights and bang, you make the U.S. world team. That's amazing. That is. That's, that's really <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Congrats, dude. That's pretty so good. It, just to uh, the feeling of even though, you know, the team trials is not really like a big contest or anything, it was still to go in front of judges and stuff. It was, uh, I missed that feeling. So try to, as best you can, paint a picture for me. So imagine Jamie Robertson when you were uh, in your prime back in the day when you were younger. I mean, you're still you're only 29. Oh, am I kidding? <laughs> but um, what's that? What did that? What was that internal feeling, that gut feeling? If you think back six years ago, however long it was when you're competing on the global scene in front mm-hmm. of judges, in front of crowds, did it, uh, was it a completely new and unfamiliar feeling to come back after three years, get 20 flights in and then go get judged? Or was it similar? No, I would say it was very similar. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how to, describe that in more detail is that it was a familiar feeling. Now, like I said, the Nats is not, it's not global 3D, you know, so in when I do the world this summer, I don't know how that's going to feel. I don't know if that'll be familiar and it'll be old hat. I'm not sure, but I'm excited to find out. 
Yeah, I just I I try to project myself and obviously nowhere near the skill level, but obviously I just I I can't imagine it seems to me and I'm just speculating. Back in the day when you're competing regularly and you're on, you know, all over the world flying that when you mm-hmm. stepped up to the line, there had to be this sense of confidence. Like, you know, you're like, uh, you know, I'm here to kick ass and that's what I'm going to do. But I just can't, I, I, I really commend you if that's the same feeling you had after three years of not flying 20 practice flights and then going to be, I know it's not a competition. I get that. But you're still being judged, yeah. right? You see what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm wondering, did that confidence, did it just come back? Or did Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, my whole, when I decided I was going to do the Nats, my goal was just to make the team, which is, for those that don't know, the top three placers in F3N uh, qualify for the world's team. So, it, it, which makes it a lot less pressure because I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to make the team. I mean, I right. got okay. somebody's borrowed models. I'm just kind of going through the motions, if you will. So, from that standpoint, it was a lot different because... Okay. So, Jamie, uh, it's inevitable that your return to the hobby is going to bring about some sponsorships for you. We see that you have already are on the Heli Direct team uh, with an announcement the other day on Facebook. Are there currently any other sponsors in the, in the works that you can talk about? Remains to be seen. I think the, the great thing about Heli Direct and the main reason why I was interested in them is because of the flexibility that it gives me sure. because of all the uh, brands that they carry. So you know, what better position to be in than to have so many different options as far as what I want to fly and that sort of thing. So it's, it's been great so far and I'm super thankful for Sam and Sean and everybody at HeliDirect, uh, you know, being able to make that happen. So what, uh, can you give us an idea? What, what airframe are you think you're, are you, uh, fancying <laughs> these days? Yeah. Well, uh, I actually just got a shipment from HeliDirect and I'm going to try out uh, the Spectre 700. Uh, I might try a Tron. Maybe, I'm not sure if I'll I'll try a a Raw 700 or not, but those are kind of the the ones that are on the radar. I saw the the new Align with the tail belt. That might be a decent option, although I'm not a big fan of the aesthetics of it, but um, I had a lot of success with those models, obviously, over the years, so that might be an option. But uh, for now, I think I'm going to try the the Spectre airframe and test some things out with blades and whatnot and go from there. I think you should try Soxos. Soxos? Yeah. Yes, Soxos. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. Isn't their 700 fairly new or no? It's fairly new. Yeah. 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 I saw their uh, Strike 7.1. I, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, to be honest, but nice frames. Hey, I'm open to, open sure. to ideas. The main thing is just uh, getting comfortable with with the setup and an airframe and everything uh by the start of summertime that way i can really uh sure get into preparing for the worlds with a with a solid setup because i don't want to be dicking around with blades and servos and whatever while i'm trying to get ready for the world so i'm trying to uh nail that down here in in the uh spring months excellent have you decided on a radio an fbl system i'm you're we're a fataba guy is that right Yes. Um, that's what I plan on sticking with. Um, I'm flying the, my old 18 SZ, which is, I love that radio. Um, and then I'll, I'll go with the, uh, 760 fly which I've never flown. Um, cause I think when they, if I remember right, 
kind of like the first prototype models were, or uh, units of the 750 were coming out kind of right when I got out of it. So I was still on the 750 when I got out of it. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to try out the 760. And I've talked to, you know, a couple of great pilots that I trust that have said really good things about it. So I'm not really concerned. I know it's going to be great. So putting the Nats aside for a second, uh, let's, I'd like to talk about your practice routine. Uh, mm-hmm. And now that you've got the worlds ahead of you coming up, and are kind of back on the scene. What does your practice routine look like? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be different now than obviously back when I did this for a living and that was all I had to worry about. I used to have kind of a routine because every year was the same. You know, you knew when the contest were coming up and you kind of had a, a body clock of sorts, I would say. The winter months were spent trying to come up with creative maneuvers, as well as finding music and kind of doing preliminary stuff with music. And then the spring months, I would start finalizing like, okay, this is how I'm going to put my freestyle together. And these are the songs I'm going to choose for the flight to music. And I'm going to, you know, I would start mixing music that way by, I would say late April or early May, I had everything figured out for what I was going to do. Of course, you might make tweaks along the way, but I mainly had everything figured out. That way, when I went to practice, I knew what I needed to practice. So like I said, starting in about early May through Urcha, which is what, early August, I flew every day, sun up to sundown, probably, gosh, I don't know how many flights, at least probably 40 to 50 flights every day. And so that was the, the gist wow. of my routine, if you will. <laughs> how do you how do you get forty flights in in a day and and still have the same like energy and drive at the fortieth? Like I feel like you know I hit twelve to twenty, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like that's kind of it for my brain, and I'm kind of cooked for the day. How do you how do you get the numbers that high? Yeah, a lot of people have have said that. Um, I think for me it was because I could feel that I was getting better and then I was getting, I was, I was peaking for the contest. And so as long as I, I had that feeling, it was still fun for me. So as yeah. long as I could see progress, I never lost the drive and it was, it was never worked for me. I always, I always loved it. It was never like, Oh man, do I really have to go practice again? Or, you know, I mean, halfway through the day, I was never like, oh, I really want to go home. That was never, that never crossed my mind. So it was always e- easy for me because I loved it. That's awesome. It's funny you talk about peaking as well. We had Nick Maxwell on last week and he was talking about, you know, sort of aiming the arc of his practice so he peaked at the right time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think anybody who's done that at a high level that's had success, as Nick has, will tell you that you don't want to peak too early. You know, you want to pace yourself and make sure that, you know, at least try to be at your best on the week of the contest. That's what I always tried to do. I'm sure Nick was the same way. So how familiar are you with the top pilots right now? Like, who's your main competition? Do you think about your competition at all? Are you looking at, like, Kenny Ko and, and some of these other guys and watching their videos? Or, or do you just do the best you can and that's what you what you focus on? No, no, no. That's a great question. Uh, of course I'm aware of the competition because, I mean, at least the way I always did things was you have to identify who who's the guy, who's the guy. And... Yeah you have you have to base your stuff off of 
do I, you know, back when I was trying to win everything, I would make my routines and I would look at it, try to, you know, take a overall view of it and say, is this good enough? And so you have to know what the standard is. And right now the standard is Kenny Ko. As far as I'm aware, the guys that are doing the world, obviously Kenny is the two-time defending world champion. And then I think that Young Bin Lee, who is a great pilot from South Korea, is going to be there. Obviously, Maxwell, Luca Pisconti from Italy, and a couple other guys. So, yes, to answer your question, um, I am definitely aware of what the standard is. And that's the whole, that's what I've been thinking about for the last six months is how am I possibly going to get there? I don't know that I can do it, but I'm going to try. So I've had, uh, in the past, I've had conversations with some pro pilots that were, I don't know, they get to be about mid-20, 25, up into your range, and they start talking about um, it's just getting tougher and tougher to compete yeah. with this with this younger group. And it seems like it, it, there's been a trend heading this way, as far as I can remember. It seems like the younger, they're getting younger and younger, these these top pilots, right? Do you feel that that your age, do you feel, do you think your experience kind of trumps your um, maybe trepidation with these younger pilots? I mean, you've got, let's face it, when you're, when you're competing at a high level, there's a big mental game and you've got that experience behind you that allows you to control your uh, emotions, the wrong word, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Your composure, yes. keep your composure. So you've got that experience on that stage. Uh, do you think, how does that stack up against these younger and younger pilots who are just phenomenal, but maybe don't have that experience at that top tier? Yeah, that's a great point. Let's see. Um, I, I don't think the top pilots are getting younger and younger. Um, I think that the peak range, if you will, uh, the prime age seems to always have been around 17 to 22 ish. As far as skill versus experience and what weighs more, et cetera, there's definitely some validity to that as far as experience. I think it comes with knowing what to expect, um, knowing kind of gauging how the contest is going and what you might need to do, what you might need to change and also what you might need to focus on in practice, make sure you're practicing the right things and being efficient and intentional with what you're doing. Um, however, I think that the current top pilots in the world, Kenny Ko, uh, CD from Thailand, the thing is those guys, not only are they elite on the sticks, but they also have a lot of experience. So they kind of got the best of both worlds. So it's my opinion that those two guys, Kenny and CD, as we stand here in 2023, are flying the models as well or better than anybody's ever done it in history. Which, man, it's it's awesome to see, to be honest with you. It's really awesome to see because there was a time when I thought, you know, back seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, it was like, I would sit there with some of my buddies, you know, Kyle Stacy's Kyle dolls of the world and say, 
how, how can it get any better than what we're doing right now? Like there's no way. And yet somehow, some way as the years goes on, <laughs> or excuse me, as the years go on, people find a way to bring the level higher and higher. And it's just incredible. And it's awesome to watch. It is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. So I, I guess, uh, in totality, speaking about Kenny, uh, I have so much respect for, for what he does. There's really no weak spots. And I think that back when I was competing heavy, there was really nobody like that kind of everybody kind of had a spot where you could look and say, okay, I can get him here and I can get him in this category, you know? And with Kenny, I just don't see that. So it's, it's crazy. Nice. That's wild. Yeah, but then you uh, just came out of nowhere and uh, borrowed a heli and got on the world's team. So we'll see what happens, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, let's take a swing and see what happens, huh? Sure. Yeah, I, cer- I certainly think there's a lot of pilots here in the U.S. that'll be uh, that'll be rooting for you and Nick for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that uh, since the world's going to, you know, it leads into Urcha Week. I hope that people will make plans to come out uh, maybe a couple days earlier than they would and and see the final couple rounds of the worlds because I think they'd really enjoy it. So anybody listening, if you're on the fence about that, man, come out and listen, the last time the worlds were in the United States was 2009. So this doesn't happen very often. So I think if people could come out and and support and witness uh, some of the top pilots, it'd, it'd be awesome to see. Yeah, these yeah, are guys sure. who aren't in the United States very often. You know, you can't just go see Kenny Coe anytime you exactly. want. So, Exactly. And not only an F3N, but an F3C as well. I, I promise you, if you watch Hiroki Ito or Kenny O'Grover fly F3C, it is every bit as impressive as watching a great 3D flight. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, I hope to be able to make it out there. We'll see. So to kind of talk about competitions a little more, but to change gears a little bit at the same time. So we've been talking about competitions on the podcast a, a little bit this year, partially in hopes to encourage people to give it a try. And, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of the guys on our team here, Scott Graham, who's not with us tonight, and, and Devin have been thinking about giving it a try as well. So what do you say to folks who are considering trying F3N? Like, how do they get started? It feels like we've lost a lot of these sort of entry level 3D contests that are kind of the gateway to it. So, you know, yeah. what do they do now? How do they get into it? I think the main thing would be, and I, I know this from, from talking to people and hearing comments, it's not as intimidating as it looks or as it sounds. I promise you. It's really not. It's a bunch of dorks in a field flying their tour <laughs> helicopters. And listen, at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit. That's the reality. So if you're thinking about doing it and you're interested, just just do it, man. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Just do it. Very true. What is the worst that can happen? I mean, that's give it a try. But that's about all I can say. Yeah. Right on. That's funny. Uh, We asked Nick the same question last week, and he said pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. What do you got to lose? I, I, if you don't have fun trying that, then you're probably in the wrong hobby. You know, anybody who's on the fence, man, just do it. The way to go about doing that, then. So, is it just as simple as find a a fun fly or a, fi- a flying field near you that's going to be hosting an F3C or F3N like entry, like lower bracket contest and go try and win that. That's basically what you got to do. Right. Yeah. And then just start moving. Um, as far as like where you would go, I'm not, I'm too disconnected now to like tell you where you can go. Cause I'm not yeah. just, I'm just not aware of it right now, but 
Like if you want to do the Nats when they come to Muncie every year before Urcha, I, I promise you it's not intimidating at all. Just sign up for the Nats, go and and if you're an F3C, they have you know lower categories, so you don't have to fly against Nick Maxwell. You can be in your own category with pilots of the same skill level as you, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's about all I can say. Is don't be afraid of failure because at the end of the day, nobody really cares. And everybody has a short memory anyway. <laughs> Whatever happens, have have a beer with your friends at the end of the day, and uh, that's what it's about. <laughs> that's so the I, way I see it, anyway. I yeah, got a yeah. question for you. With all these um, all these competitions that you've been to throughout the years, is there one that sticks out? Do you have one that uh, as a you know a, a very fond memory? Yeah, it would have to be the first XFC that I won, which was the first major contest I ever won um, in 2009. That was definitely uh, unexpected and, I mean, just awesome times with my dad. I never, I, I just never thought I would get to that level. And yeah, it was crazy. It kind of happened out of nowhere. I didn't, at the time, I really didn't know what I was doing. Kind of got lucky. And, yeah, that was that's definitely one that sticks out to me. Yeah, that's cool. As I as I went along and you know became more experienced and and won a couple contests, it it started to um, the joy of winning started to go away, and it started to be just a relief that I didn't lose. But when in in '09 when I won that first XFC, it was. I had never done it before. It was so unexpected and it was just so fun to experience. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. it. So, you know, I think, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good energy at that, on that day. I'm sure, man. Yeah. First big win. Yeah. That, man. That's cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So I got one that's kind of a dovetail on that. Um, I asked Nick the same thing uh, during his interview. If you had to look back through your com- competition career, you know, mm-hmm. everybody does good and everybody makes mistakes and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, what we all know in life, sometimes a mistake, you can learn from that, right? Um, you can grow sure. from that. Um, is there, if you had to look back, could you pick maybe a particular <laughs> moment I know where, this is where going. you learned from, uh, maybe a loss or, or something that happened at a contest that you took with you and, and mm-hmm. helped improve? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was... So like I just mentioned, I won my first XFC in 2009. It was the year after that at XFC in 2010. Um, Like I said, when I won that first one, I was 15. I really didn't, had no idea what I was doing. I kind of got lucky and stumbled into it. And of course, being 15, 16 years old and how teenage boys are, you know, I, I naturally, I thought, oh, this is easy. I'll win this every year. Yeah, I got it. Uh, <laughs> and so come back 2010, and I didn't practice. I didn't. I still didn't know what I was doing and practicing. And more or less, I got my ass kicked in 2010, and that was when I kind of woke up. And on top of that, I went to my first 3D Masters a couple months later in 2010, and got my ass kicked again. And that was what really I was like, okay, this is uh, this is not easy. And and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because. Coming back the next year in 2011, I was super focused and super determined and 
2011 was really the first year that I developed a practice routine and kind of got serious about it and became quote unquote a professional, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. Um, as I said, I was defending champ in 2010 and we came out and Nick Maxwell was, was first up on, on Friday morning, first flight. And I'm watching him and I'll never forget the feeling I had because when I, as I watched his flight, I, I, I knew that I had no chance to win. And that was, that was the worst feeling I ever had. And I thought, man, I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure I never have that feeling. Not to say that I'm going to win every place I go, but I want to at least give myself a chance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because for sure. I, I hadn't even flown yet and I watched Nick and I knew I was like, damn, I got no chance. I'm just here spinning my wheels. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of hobbyists look up to guys like you and to, to hear those, those stories of, uh, you know, kind of put, you know, put those top guys in check, you know, when you, when you, when you tell us these, these experiences of disappointment or, or lessons learned, because, you know, it's one thing that the, you know, kind of us weekend warriors that love to go fly on the weekends and, you know, uh, typically don't have time to fly during the week. And I guess you're kind of one of those now, <laughs> but mm -hmm. back in the day, yeah. it's just encouraging to see, you know, cause all we ever see from you guys is, you know, just the really good flights, the ones that, that managed to make it onto YouTube or, or some competition that you've won, which right. leads me to another question. How often do you crash? Back when I was, you know, really into it, um, to be totally honest, not that often because uh, when I was practicing, I, I flew very safe. Like, uh, how do I describe it? Um, you know, I built up. So I wasn't going out there practicing my freestyle, just balls to the wall two months before the contest. Got it. Like, I, I would very much ease into it. And like I said, you try to peak at the right time. Sure. So uh, I don't know. On average, Back in the day, I probably crashed three, maybe four times a year at most. Oh, that's not bad. Um, it's better yeah. than me. <laughs> but also, I think my my flying style tended to keep me out of trouble more, too, because I was never, you know, people know I was never really a, a smack pilot, per se. I was more of a kind of a big air, more right. uh, technical technical flying style. So that helped, too. Oh, that's great. Well, Jamie, uh, I don't know, Nick, do you have any other questions? I was just going to ask real quick. like. I know F3N isn't really a, a team sport, but do you do you interact with the other, you know, U.S. pilots who are going into Worlds? Do you guys do any sort of coordination uh, together or is it really, you know, there there are three of you, but you're all kind of individuals in the contest? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would say a little bit of both. Like we're in a group text and the um, the nature of what we're doing, like there's no really way to like work as a team other than like supporting each other with whatever we can. But as far as like, you know, Nick can't fly half of my routine and I can't fly half of his, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's not a way that we can like literally work together. Right. Um, but yeah, as far as like supporting each other and helping in any way we can, that's definitely a, a real thing. But 
and of course we would like to we would like to win the team portion but as i said there's only so much you can do you know i'm i'm responsible for myself and nick and kate are responsible for themselves so yeah i don't that's kind of the reality of the just the nature of what we do right right yeah well, on that note, Jamie, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. It's always great to hear from guys like you and um, uh, welcome you back anytime you'd like to come on and tell us. But before we go, is there just kind of open the floor to you? Is there anything you want to talk about or promote or anything like that going on? I know you're not, I don't know if you're ready for anything like that or if you want to do that, but I figured I'd offer you the opportunity to do so if you'd like. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing in particular, but uh like I said, I just got a shipment, uh, a couple of kits. So get those put put together and start flying again and see what we can do. Start to build up towards August. That's um, great. I'm going to try to make it out to Ken's in three weeks. I don't know that I'll be ready to do that, um, but I'm certainly going to go planning on going to Miami in March and I think spring fling in April and we'll see what else is going on. So, that's kind of the plan for the next couple of months. Get back in the swing of things and go from there. Excellent. Yeah, buddy. All right, Jamie. Well, hey, thanks for hanging you. out with us, man. Appreciate you reaching out and having me on, guys. Oh, you bet. So there it is, Jamie Robinson. What do you guys think? Dude, that was a great interview, man. I got yeah. a lot of, there was a lot of insight we got from that guy. I think it's cool to see him coming back because I remember when I was like a young buck in the hobby back in the day, um, it was guys like him when I saw him coming up, this young kid just fucking beating the shit out of the air with his helicopter and doing things with it I had never seen people do with the helicopter. Um, You know, guys like him and Nick uh, and those guys, it was like this, to me, it was like this, it was this change where we started to see some of this... uh, you know, Jamie mentioned in the interview about how today it's like Kenny Co. for instance, is so technical, right? It's just, um, it was, I, I, in my mind, this is just my opinion, when Nick and um, Jamie and those guys started coming in and really competing on a high level to, where everybody started to see that, that's where that technical infusion started to come in. At some point, I started to realize it's like those guys were taking like the, the F3C moves and throwing it, throwing like, variants of those maneuvers right into their smack routines and stuff and just really blurring the lines and it's really cool to be able to pick his brain so yeah i think it's um what i don't know i like it i like i like the interview because it's it's um it's not often you get to see the evolution of a person right like um he was a very young kid as he mentioned started flying in 2006 at what 12 years old i believe he said yep this wasn't you know, in my mind, that feels like it was just yesterday, right? But, uh, you know, kind of go through the motions and, and reach the top of his game. You know, I, you know, st- step away from it and then come back to it with a different perspective, right? Now, it, now he's, you know, he's not necessarily doing it for a living. He's doing it because he wants to do it and he enjoys doing it. Uh, and that's just great. It's great to see that evolution and 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 to get a chance to, hear those stories from years ago and kind of watch him come back into the scene. And I, I have no doubt he's really going to do well. Right. Um, I think he's just, he's got that mindset. He really does. And he, you can just tell it by the way he talks. Cause I, 
I used to shoot archery at a competitive level, not globally, but nationally. And, you know, when he's talking about, um, you know, peaking, you know, that's something that me and my buddies, when we would travel around the country shooting in tournaments, that's something we often talked about, you know, reaching that point where you peak right at the perfect moment, which is, you know, the last round of a, uh, NFAA three spot or something, you know, something that, um, something that matters, the tournament, you know, where there's prize money or, or whatever on the line. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. And he's, you know, that's the mentality that a lot of us hobbyists just, I mean, we don't, I don't, we don't, I don't, we don't think of it like that. Right. Do you guys think yeah. about, Oh, I just don't want to peak. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, really know. Get to peak, right? I didn't I mean, even know that there was a thing to think about at all. Right. Yeah. So it's cool to, it's cool to hear him talk like that and, uh, kind of get his perspective of, of what the hobby is. So thanks Jamie for coming on. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. Looking forward to hearing from you in the future. Yeah, man, that was that was great. I really enjoyed. I mean, the, the story of literally barring a helicopter and deciding to enter Nats at the absolute last second, That's and then crazy. making the team, and you know his plans for the future. I actually, you know, I came into the hobby right about the time probably Jamie left it, and uh, I went on kind of a YouTube tear. So if you're curious about Jamie Robertson or don't know him like I did, you can you know put his name in the search bar in YouTube, and you can watch lots of great videos of him and kind of his signature tail wag move. Um, and some cool stuff. So, you know, I really enjoyed uh, getting to hear some of that. And it was interesting to me also the parallels between he and the Nick Maxwell video, uh, sorry, not video, interview the week before, um, you know, talking about peaking, talking about their practice routines. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting to me how similar these guys at the top of their game are to each other. Yeah, 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 it is. You know, it's funny you mentioned that and those similarities. Uh, I, after we did the Nick interview, I was just trolling around on YouTube and I, I, had started watching um, HeliDirect, Sean and some guys, you guys put that video out where you interviewed Nick Maxwell. It was like two hours long. It was a long ass interview. And I had watched some of it and I went back to the video and I watched the rest of it. And in there near the end, Sean asks Nick, he's like, if you could think back in your past and competing and stuff like that, who was there ever a nemesis? You know, we asked Jamie, who, who, who do you get your eye on like in today, like for at now, right? And, but the question was posed to Nick about then, right? And Nick's answer, he was kind of being prodded to give an answer. And he's like, I don't know. They're all really good. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't know. He's like, J Sean's like, if you have to pick one. And Nick's like, oh, I don't know, Jamie Robertson. Right. <laughs> and then so, so and Jamie Robertson's coming back on the scene right now. Right. And they think like we're discovering, they seem to think a lot alike. So it's going to be really cool to see both of those guys as they train up to towards worlds at the end. You know, I know they're competing on the same team, but it's really cool to see two older cats coming in here. Uh, shaking up the scene along with all, Kenny Coe and all the new, all the really newer guys, you know, and to be able to watch that contest uh, in on U.S. soils can be kind of cool. It is funny, like it it gives uh, some of us that are, I don't want to say aging in the hobby, but that's the truth. Uh, some hope, right, that these guys, you know, who are older than the young kids, um, you know, are competitive at the same level. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, and I think it's really good for the hobby. I think, I think that it's, um, I don't know for those of us or, you know, I'm, there's a ton of people out there that were in the hobby for any amount of time back in the day. And they maybe occasionally, you know, maybe they still belong to the RC Hilly Hangouts or maybe they still look at the RCHM Facebook page, but they just don't fly, um, helis and they see kind of the, the resurgence of these guys, these, that they were so familiar with, you know, 
several years ago. Uh, you know, I think it's encouraging. I think it's good for the hobby to see that and, and potentially bring some folks back into the into the fold, as it were. So I think it's great. Agreed. Devin just doesn't have anything to say. I just don't know. You just don't know, Devin? Yeah, he starts. I just don't know. The only thing I can, for what I did here and everything is... Oh, that's right. We should mention that. That's why Devin doesn't have a lot to say. I I, Put you on the spot there, Devin. Yeah. So Devin doesn't really know, because obviously the power of editing allows us to jump in and out of uh, the space-time continuum, right? So... Uh, Devin had some technical difficulties and, um, he had to drop out of the interview. So he doesn't even know he's going to have to wait till the show comes out. Just like the rest of you guys. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can say though, based off like what I did here and everything like that, I've had very similar conversations with a pilot from Jamie's time period of Marcus Kim. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of that lined up with each other and it was just, it reminded me of the conversation that I had with Mark, Marcus when he came back and came out flying to events again two years ago now, three years ago, somewhere around there. So it was very cool to see the lapse of time and how they all intertwine with each other. Well, there's a certain amount of discipline that comes along with it, right? I mean, I don't, we can put a rosy picture on it all we want, but there, you know, it comes right down to the fact that w- when you're competing at that level, there's going to be days when you don't want to fly, but you know, you need to go fly anyway. Right. And that's as a hobbyist, as you know, us four, we don't feel like flying. Well, guess what? We, you know, we, yeah. there's, not, <laughs> there's nothing making us go fly. There's, and I'm not saying that they are, you know, I guess you guys know what I'm trying to say. It's like they, yeah. they love it. But there's got to be times when they're just like, oh, last thing I want to do today is go practice sure. X maneuver, right? But they do it anyway. It's just that um, that competitive drive. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I think I think it it's relatable. I think anybody, I don't care really what sport or activity that requires some level of skill, all of us appreciate watching greatness. You know, people who can really do it well. Um, it, it's it's just fun to watch. It's really fun to watch somebody who's mastered something, an instrument, uh, a RC helicopter, a basketball, a football, a cue stick. You know, it's just really fun to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, uh, and I, the thing I love the most when, especially watching pilots of those classes, when they come together as friends and just fly with each other is some of the most amazing flights you'll ever see when they're just toying around with each other because there's stuff that they do that you may not see them fly all the time or practice and they're just having fun and lay down some insane flights excellent well jamie thanks for coming on man we appreciate it like i said uh, anytime you want to come back and have a chat we'd welcome it and with that guys i think maybe we should wrap this one up but before we do that let's get some emails Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you can hit me at Nick Wisdom at rchnv3.com or Nick Wisdom RC on Facebook. How about you, Devin? Uh, Devin McClellan on Facebook or Devin at rchnv3.com. You can reach Scott at scott at rchnv3.com. Send him an email. He's not feeling good, man. Give him some love. He needs some of that uh, good old-fashioned email love. No dick pics. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want dick pics. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing that he doesn't want dick pics. Just saying. <laughs> Send him a note. Get well. 
all that good jazz. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Check out our webpage, www.rchnv3.com, and you can also find us on Locals. Last but not least, Rob, I wanted to get in touch with you. How would I do that? Well, Daniel Then, if you've been paying attention recently, uh, we've discovered some Skywriters that have learned how to do their writing in Dot Matrix. The final countdown message that we saw in the sky a few days ago. So what I need you to do is find out who the Skywriters are and hire them to do a Dot Matrix skywriting above Scott's house that says, RC cars blow goats heart emoticon and then um have them like parabomb drop a parachute with a note in it um and then scott can get his message be sad about being trolled about the cars and then he might read it to me if he if he gets over that um or not but if you can't um afford that many letters from a skywriter or you don't know how to get faa approval to do that over scott's house um, you can just email me at rob at rchnv3.com or hit me up on Facebook at NextGenRCFB, uh, Instagram at NextGenRC, or youtube.com slash NextGenRC. Oh, and you Alrighty, have to just kill too. So. Oh my God, Rob, what did you say? God just said, killed another kitten, just so you know. <laughs> I said you have to pay for the fuel too, so you got to pony up. So. Didn't really feel like that was necessary, but uh, we'll move on. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. See you next time. See ya. See ya. <laughs> And then crash and crash in my head. Oh, 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 o